Our scripture reading today is taken from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And our sermon today is entitled, uh, The Book of Acts, The Message of Fellowship. Here is the Lord's word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, Day by days, those who are being saved. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. There's a pattern to life. You're born. Born to parents who love you and who raise you well. There's a pattern to life. You you. You go through your early years, and then you get ready for school when you're about four or five. There's, there's a pattern to life. Your, your kids go through elementary, middle, high school, and you, you're encouraged when they get that first job or, or go to college, and they, and they move out. There's a pattern to life. As parents, you, you are proud, at the, and at the same time, you're wondering, what do we do with all of our time, not that our, now that our kids are in college? Well, there's a pattern to life. You reach your 20s, and you start to wonder who I am. What have I done my last 20, 25 years or so? There's a pattern to life. You reach adulthood. You have bills to pay. You have taxes to pay. You have perhaps a home to take care of, a, a house to repair. There's a pattern to life. You get older. Hopefully you've had some safety in finances, perhaps married with a family. There's a pattern to life. You get old, and you look back, and you wonder, Lord, Thank you for your goodness in my life all those years. There's a pattern to life. And many of us, as we naturally grow in maturity, physically, emotionally, we start to see the world in ways that are more nuanced than we did before. In many ways, our spiritual lives are the same thing. We come to know the Lord, perhaps at a very early age. We come to know him and worship him. And as you grow in your faith, you start to realize that I need a place to fellowship. I need brothers and sisters. And then perhaps after you sort of delved into that, that community, you start to realize... I need more than this community. I need the very word of God. And so you, you bury yourself in scripture. Praise the Lord. 
And perhaps after community and, and scripture, some of you start to realize, I need to work on my prayer life. And you, and you, and you immerse yourself in praying to the Lord, not minutes a day, but hours a day. And as you grow in your faith, you start to realize that that church is not this perfect place, but that church indeed really is a place where God's grace and God's spirit must be present because, my goodness, the world is still broken. It's for us to know how the the pattern of the church grows and for us to understand the, the culture of what church looks like. For us to be able to live in the church and live our lives here in the way that we allow the gospel to flourish and for our lives to be filled with hope and gratitude and our lives to be filled with power to move towards God and towards each other. in such a manner that we ourselves don't even recognize ourselves in the mirror when we see how much we love God and how much we love the people around us. This is the pattern that Jesus, through the counsel of the Father, And through the power of the Holy Spirit began in every church. And here in the book of Acts, we see that. Acts chapter 1. In order for the church to be formed, the Holy Spirit must be poured out amongst the people. And so the apostles received the Holy Spirit and went out and preached the gospel. And everyone heard, who heard of the gospel, that Jesus Christ himself came, that this same Jesus is the Jesus that we all crucified, that this same Jesus died and rose again, that this simple message of the gospel cut people to the heart. And they all asked that same question, what should we do? What should we do knowing that Jesus himself died for us, an innocent man? And Peter says very succinctly, repent and be baptized, and you too shall receive that Holy Spirit. And so by the preaching of the gospel, and by the repentance of the people, everyone who called on the name of the Lord was saved. And they started to gather together. The church was born. But this wasn't simply a church where the leader was simply the apostle and that everyone simply listened and, and, and depended upon the apostle as a person himself. As if Peter or, or any of the apostles, by nature of who they were, had any sort of authority. But the authority that the apostles carried was the authority that came from the message of God. That Jesus saves. 
And this is the beginning of the church. This is the greatest gift that the church has, to hear the preaching of the gospel. The greatest gift that the church has is for us to preach that same gospel to one another. To speak about the glories of Christ and all that He has done. To say it in such a way that our hearts can leap with joy when we hear someone relate to us and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? And instead of being embarrassed by that statement or being taken aback by that statement, our natural reflex is simply, Jesus is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is the one who saved me. He is the one who is saving me. And words of hope just drip from our mouths about who God is and what he has done. This gospel must be so deep in our hearts that it comes out supernaturally natural. The Holy Spirit must change us in such a way, in such a manner, that being loved by Jesus and loving Jesus is no longer second nature, but becomes our first nature. All of us. This gospel does something very special to God's people. This salvation that God gives does not separate us or silo us into our individual lives. But the gospel that comes to us actually gathers the elect, gathers brothers and sisters together. It's what the Holy Spirit does. It's the pattern of God's plan to build his church. You say that you come to know Jesus, the apostles may say. You say you know the Lord. then you will be drawn to others who know Jesus as well. Period. Yes, you may have difficulties. Yes, there are things in the past that have happened. But let me reassure you that anyone who has God's Spirit cannot stay away from the church very long. They can't. Perhaps there are some people that you know who say, I believe in Jesus but I don't like the church. I believe in Jesus, but I don't like the people. I would dare challenge you to read your Bible. I would dare challenge you. Do you really love Jesus? Be 
because of Jesus loves the church. Shouldn't you as well? We were always drawn back, even in the midst of just craziness of what happens in, in, in this institution. We're always drawn back to meet together with brothers and sisters. We're always drawn back together. This is why for centuries, churches have risen and fallen. People have taught pure gospel and people have taught heretic, heresy. But over those years, the church still has moved on. The church has still succeeded. The church still grows. Because God is building this church. And God is building his kingdom. And so you and I are, are part of this bigger, grander plan that God has to, to make sure that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. To allow God's people to grow in, in maturity and in faith in him. That we may ourselves, either one, really enjoy those good times, those blessed times, and say, God, thank you. Or number two, pray and long for the day when God will return and perfect the church and perfect his bride. But either way, whatever happens, we keep gathering together. We either keep gathering together because of, of, the, of the, the blessings that the Lord has poured out on us, or we gather together to keep praying and to keep fighting for the gospel to be made known amongst us. Either way, the gospel always draws us together. Here in our passage, we see that the, the normity, the pattern that God has set for his church it's not simply to, to hear the gospel, receive the Spirit, but that the love that God gives to His people, well, it gives us the urge to meet together. But it's not meeting together just to meet together, brothers and sisters. It's to learn the apostles' teaching, read Scripture. It's to break bread together, have a meal, and it's to pray. I think most churches are good at one out of three, having the meal together. But a church and its fellowship can only flourish when we devote ourselves to reading scripture together and when we devote ourselves to prayer together and this happens supernaturally to us our desire to go and, and to open God's word and to read and to understand what God is teaching us our desire not to simply sit around and just sort of talk about our lives all the time, but to, to pray for, for, for God, not only for our lives, but, but to pray for the church, 
to pray for the gospel, to pray for something bigger than us that God is doing, to see that God's message is going forth and changing people, to know that the news of the day and the current events of the day have little bearing at what God is doing in the world. And in fact, no matter what happens in our events around the world, none of it can thwart the will of God. And so we go to the Lord in prayer. We search the scriptures to, to understand how we can obey and love our Lord. And yes, we eat together. We share our bread. The love here in the early church is immense in the sense that they all sold everything they had and shared everything in common. And they gave to each other as they saw need. Now when we look, at, and so you see that the sacrifice and love they had for each other. We would look at each other and go, what do you need? Are you hungry? I'll feed you. You have nowhere to stay. You can stay with us. Are you going through a rough time? Look, listen, we, we have a room that you can come. And it doesn't say here in Scripture or anywhere that you need to be at a certain stage of life in order to do this. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say here anywhere that you need to have a certain economic status to do this. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you have to achieve a, a certain amount of, 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 of wealth or a certain amount of stability in your life. To do, it doesn't say that. But that you, right now, with whatever you have, with whatever circumstance that you're in, you can love And God will manifest himself in your midst as God's people love one another. My own experience with that was when I was in college. My staff worker from Asheville, North Carolina, we're just talking about Asheville. Him and his wife had three kids. They were homeschooling their kids. It was a, it was, it was, it was a sight to see. Uh, there were like six, four, and two. And they would invite me to dinner um, once a week, just me. And all their other days were actually filled with other people they would meet as well. But their hospitality was not a hospitality like you and I would think as growing up as Asian Americans, perhaps, or even Southerners. Um, we go, I go, I go over, or sometimes me and my friend would go over, and we knew, we knew there would never be enough food. Because they just weren't wealthy. So we'd always go to the gas station. We'd, all, we'd get like three hot dogs each, we'd eat the three hot dogs, and then we'd go over to their house. And we'd have the meal. The kids were just crazy running around. The wife, she, her hair was like just coming out. And she's like, ah, at the, you know, just exasperated. 
And my staff worker and, and me, either myself or me and this other guy, we, we come and we, we just have life with them. And sometimes he'd have time to really say, you know, young and you know, my friend, um, how's college going? And we'd have time to talk about that. Other times we would go over and me and my friend or me and my, myself, I, I just watch the kids. Just play with the kids. Other times I would talk with the uh, with my staff worker. Other times I would talk with the wife. But nothing was planned. It was just come over, have dinner. And uh, when I would go with my friend, we would plan to eat very, very slowly. <laughs> we first went, we, we, we didn't realize that the, you know, how much food they had. But afterwards we realized that you know, we, we just eat slowly. We just got used to their pattern. But what we enjoyed the most just being invited into their home. This, this is what happened in the early church. It wasn't let's go and make sure we're catering this nice food. It wasn't let's make sure that our house is completely clean, more so than our, our kids or our spouse has ever seen. <laughs> but it was just gut reaction, reflex. Let's meet together. Here's my refrigerator. Whatever we have, let's just cook and let's just eat. To share, to have everything in common. Now, the scripture is not teaching us anymore to go and, well, let me put it this way. You're not supposed to go and sell everything and put it and give it to the church and church figures it out, okay? That's, we, we don't do that. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6, as the church progresses, we see that, that, that Paul charges those who are wealthy and whatever measure of wealth it is. He says, those who are wealthy should learn to be generous with what they have. So it's not about me commanding you or anyone commanding you to sell everything. It is not about some authority figure saying, well, you came to know Jesus. Now you give me everything. But it's, it's the fact that you, all of us who are wealthy, that's all of us, be generous with time, with energy, and especially with those who are believers in the Lord. Just look around you. <laughs> Invite people over with a crying baby. Go over to a home with a crying baby. It's okay. But all of us need to learn to be generous with who we are and what we have not looking to others to start at first, but for us to be the ones to do so. Wouldn't it be a great problem to have to say, I've got too many, too many invitations to go to people's homes? Wouldn't it be a great problem to have to say, I've got too many friends at church? Wouldn't it be a great problem to have to say, I'm reading the Bible way too much with 
with people in church, but praying way too much. Wouldn't it be a great problem to have? To have an abundance of God's Spirit here amongst us. This is the picture of a church. This is a picture of fellowship. Of the joy that the Lord has given us. Verse 47. What does the Lord do? The Lord added to the numbers the people who are being saved. The gospel must be shown in both word and deed, brothers and sisters. But I urge all of us to see what the Lord Jesus has done. Jesus spoke to you the gospel. You read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you hear what God, what Jesus has taught about the kingdom of God about the need for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But then you see Jesus actually do something about it. He says, here's the plan for salvation. I'm going to do it. And he did it for you. Died on that cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. He did it. Now for all of us as God's people, we were able to do this again, not by our own strength and power. We're not. Because if you're like me and you think about inviting people over, you start thinking in a very humanly way. Oh, I need to do this. I need to get this done. I need to get this done. I need to get this done. And before you know it, you can't invite anybody. There comes a point in time, brothers and sisters, when we just say, come on over. I don't know what we're going to do. Just come over. We'll spend the first 15 minutes. We'll read a psalm. We'll pray together. And we'll eat. We'll figure it out. Or I remember many of you, when you are in youth group, I said, just go to QT. Go get an ice cream cone or a hot dog and just sit in the parking lot or, and just... Enjoy each other's company. Nothing has changed since you were a kid. Nothing has changed. Let us let the Lord work in the lives of CCPC as he worked in the lives of this early church. Let us learn to love and to love well. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. You alone are good. And Father, your, your gospel fills us with so, such joy and, and, and hope and power, oh Lord God. Father, we ask of you, Lord God, to, to build this fellowship here um, at CCPC once again, oh Lord. Father, we know, Lord, that COVID has done a number on many of us. Uh, many of us have been siloed in our own homes. Uh, many of us have allowed uh, our own 
problems and issues to um, to arise, and, and that's not a bad thing, but we've been overwhelmed by it, Lord God. And Father, at times, fellowship is not as sweet as it used to be. But Lord, we know that the way out is not to, to run away, but the way out is to meet up again and to rebuild. So help us, Lord God, to rebuild. To have fellowship in your word and in prayer. Help us, Lord, to see the grandeur of your kingdom, each and every one of us, Lord. That each of us would seek, Lord, to have sweet fellowship with one another in the gospel. And that this community, Lord, when people come and see it, would indeed see that same Jesus that we worship as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.